1: to the podcast of sweeping america the air tour sports podcast it is wednesday december 16th 2020 people i hope everybody is having a great day i hope everybody is having a great week and of course i know all your college football fans i hope you're having a great national signing day i hope your school has signed the best class in school history i know for sure that it is filled with the best group of young men that the school has ever signed Uh, They will represent the university great and clearly win multiple conference championships, if not national championships, because that's how signing day works, right? Uh, In all seriousness, obviously, not a ton for me to talk about on signing day. Uh, It's kind of more of a national show, so we won't really do much on signing day, but do have plenty to get into. We will open the show very quickly with an update on Keontae Johnson. Very scary situation on Saturday that appears, as I record on Wednesday, to have taken, or Tuesday night, I should say, to have taken a positive turn we will transition to college football where how about your boy uh, Gus Malzahn how about your school Auburn we thought when they fired Gus Malzahn they had a plan they clearly don't so we will get into that and uh, I will add a new segment to the show called a dramatic reading of Auburn message boards Because it appears as though uh, Auburn fans are not very happy with the options that the school is presenting them. I have a couple thoughts on that. We will very briefly touch on Michigan. Their season officially came to an end, at least their regular season. They will not play this weekend, another COVID outbreak. And I got to ask really quickly, what is the future of Jim Harbaugh? It seems as though he wants to stay. It seems as though he's telling people he's going to stay. But will he really stay? So that is the rundown for the show. I should add, after that, my buddy Nick Coffey comes on to join me for a segment. And I think anybody who has listened to this show for a while will know Nick Coffey is a good friend of mine. He is a radio host in Louisville. When I first started this show, he basically did every show with me for at least a segment. Um, and as time has gone on, as his career has taken off, he has the, the top rated morning show in Louisville. He has less time to join this show, but he does join me just to talk about kind of some of the stuff that we're talking about. These college football coaching searches, uh, Coach K, just the state of college basketball. Is anybody excited? It feels like kind of a weird year. So Nick Coffee will join me at the end of the show. First time up. Before we get started, I want to remind you. Please make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can subscribe on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure to follow me on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram. And uh, yeah, as we approach the holiday season, two quick things. Again, a quick reminder. Uh, If you're looking for a gift for friends, easy, cheap, whatever, go to cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres. Do that. I will send a personalized message to anybody that you want. I can send one to you, uh, you know, for whatever reason. I can send one to friends or family that listen to this show. But cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres. And then, of course, also, as I mentioned, La Terrain watches. I'm working with this really cool company, luxury watch company called La Terrain. If you're interested in getting a nice watch for your father, brother, uncle, mom, dad, whoever. I guess father and dad are the same thing, but um, go to my Twitter page, at Aaron underscore Torres. There is a link, and of course, if you see something that you like, uh, click the link, and if you use promo code Aaron, you will save uh, you will save 10% on your purchase. That is La Terrain on my Twitter page, at Aaron underscore Torres, and uh, yeah, 10%. All right, let's get into it, people. Uh, no more time to waste. And and if you if you sense the somber tone in my voice, it's because I do just want to quickly start with what is a very serious topic, a very important topic, a very important update, and that is, of course, what happened on Saturday with Florida basketball star Keontae Johnson. Everybody knows the story at this point. It's not only a sports story; it's really a a life story. As um, you know, my wife's asked me about it. My sister in law's asked me about it. But Keontae Johnson, star player at the University of Florida, collapsed on the court Saturday afternoon against um, against Florida State in a game, a rivalry game. He collapsed. It was very scary. He was taken away in a stretcher. And on the last update that I had on the last episode on Monday afternoon, um there wasn't a good update. He was in critical but stable condition. Nobody knew exactly what was wrong. Nobody knew exactly what would happen. Nobody knew you know, if he would come to consciousness. Just a very, very, very scary situation that does appear as though, at the moment, to have taken a positive turn. And this is great news. This is exciting news. Uh, I like to have fun on this show. I like to be loose. I like to joke. But this is obviously a very serious topic. But on Monday, we did get an update that Keontae Johnson is awake, is alert, is communicating with family and friends at the hospital, with doctors, and that he actually FaceTimed with his team. And so that is great news. I am so happy. I'm obviously, I speak for all of us. I'm not saying that I am any more happy than anybody else. But it's just incredible news that it appears as though uh, he is going to physically be okay. As of now, we still don't know kind of what happened to him, what went wrong, was it basketball-related? Was it COVID-related? Was it this? Was it that? We don't know. And those, an- those questions will be answered in the coming weeks, and we can have those conversations in the coming weeks about him, basketball, COVID, whatever it is. But in the meantime, we don't know too much about what happened and what didn't happen, and the important thing is he appears, as I record here on Tuesday night, to have taken a turn for the better. Keontae Johnson, star player at Florida. And that's just great news. There's no other take. There's no other spin. There's no other me trying to be clever or creative or funny. I'm just happy that this kid appears to be okay. I hope he lives a safe and and, and healthy remainder of his life, whether that includes basketball. It doesn't. Again, we'll get all those answers in the coming days. Let's get to a much looser topic now that we are past Keontae Johnson. And that is, of course, what is going on uh, at Auburn University down on the Plains. And, you know, one of the things that I, I do love about doing this show is that I get to react to stuff, uh, you know, in real time. Right. And, and there are obviously days where something happens on Saturday in a big game and I don't talk about it until Monday or anything like that. But then there are other times like on Sunday where I'm getting ready to do the show. I got red zone on in the background. And all of a sudden, I don't know where Gus Mal's on fire. Right. And so What's great about this show is I get to put on the recorder, pop on the recorder, whatever you want to say, and I just get to start talking about it. And I start to, I get to be one of the first people to talk about it and put out my opinion and share what I think. And part of the responsibility that comes with this job is that you try to get every prediction, every uh, um, story, every topic right, right? I give out an opinion, I hope I'm 100% right. Uh, And that's really how I would describe what I do is a a piece of information is presented to me, I figure out what the facts are, and then I base my opinions on facts, and you hope they're right. And a lot of times I'm right, a lot of times I look smart, a lot of times I know what I'm talking about. And then there's a story like Auburn, Gus Malzahn fired where I was 100% wrong. And I'm not ashamed to admit I was 100% wrong, but I just whiffed on this one. Because if you listen to Monday's episode, uh, what I said was is that I believed at that time that Auburn would not have fired Gus Malzahn and been willing to pay him $21 million uh, in, in buyout money, $10 million of which is owed within 30 days, that they would not have done that if they did not already have the next guy lined up to take the head coaching job. And like on the very surface level, one, I certainly wasn't the only person that covers college football or talks about college football or writes about college football that said it. I think everybody was kind of in agreement. You don't fire a guy and pay him $21 million coming off a 6-4 and four season in a global pandemic when money is tight unless you know exactly who the next guy is. And I thought it was Hugh Freeze, the Liberty coach, formerly of Ole Miss. But as the days have gone on, it's become increasingly clearer that Auburn did not have a plan and does not have a plan in place and is just going to kind of be ad-libbing it and throwing stuff against the wall and see what would stick. Uh, and we, we, we've we we've found that out through a couple different things. First of all, on Tuesday, Auburn announced that they had hired a search firm. And for people who don't really know what a search firm does, their job is to basically research candidates, vet candidates, uh, any background stuff, right? So I'm just going to use a hypothetical. I'm not being critical of this guy. But if Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, is a head coach, he, of course, had substance abuse issues in his past. The search firm's job is to say, is this in the past? Could it resurface? Has it been an issue since he got to Alabama? Their job is to basically do homework so that the school gets the hire right. Um, so first of all, this, the fact that you're hiring a search firm means that one, not only did you not have a plan in place, but two, you're not in a particular rush to hire a head coach. And so as it become, has become increasingly clear that they are not in a rush to hire a head coach, a funny thing has happened. Um, A lot of different names have come across the plate in terms of who could be potentially be the Auburn, the next Auburn head coach. A couple of them are guys that I've already mentioned. Hugh Freeze, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, who obviously um, was the former head coach at USC, former head coach at Washington, has experience running a high-powered program. Uh, USC, one of the biggest brands in college football, so Steve Sarkeesian's an option. Uh, Mario Cristobal, I told you on Sunday he wasn't going to come. He was just looking to leverage Auburn for a new contract. It appears as though he's gotten it, so his name is out of that candidacy. Uh, And there's a lot of other names popping up. I would add, if you want proof that nobody really knows what the heck is going on at Auburn, one of the names that has popped up is Kevin Steele. Now, you might be asking yourself, who the heck is Kevin Steele? Well, he was the Auburn defensive coordinator under Gus Malzahn, and there are now reports that Kevin Steele, Gus Malzahn's defensive coordinator, has some very powerful boosters in his corner trying to get him the job. And you're probably sitting there thinking, well, wait a second now. He was just on the staff that got fired. The fans weren't happy with that staff. Why would they hire him? And what I would say is I think that speaks to what this coaching search is for Auburn, which is so far a total mess with no real plan. Now, I will say, in Kevin Steele's defense, um, you know, he's a very successful defensive coordinator, was spent some time at, prior to Auburn, at Clemson, when Clemson really got things rolling under Dabo Sweeney, spent some time at Alabama in various roles under Nick Saban, so he does have a track record as a successful defensive coordinator, he was also head coach for five years, four years, excuse me, at Baylor, where he went 9-31 and 31 in four years, so he does have head coaching experience, and it didn't go well, 9-36, excuse me, how dare I, 9-36, and, and how about this, 1-31 uh, in the Big 12, and I'll say in his defense, Baylor was a much worse job when he had it, but yeah, that's not very good, uh, and as you can imagine, a lot of Auburn fans are not happy with the decision, and they're not happy because, again, what I just said, not a successful head coach in his previous stop, and oh, by the way, um, just worked on the staff that you were itching to get rid of for years, And so the Auburn fan base is up in arms, uh, and just for fun, I I did go to an Auburn message board just to see kind of what was going on and what the reaction was. And so I've decided, um, (laughs) I decided for fun, we'll do a very brief reading of an Auburn message board, and then we'll talk about the rest of this, and we'll get out of here, get to Michigan. But first of all, first post I see on the Auburn message board, and this is Auburn Undercover, Inside the Auburn Tigers is part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Uh, Kevin Steele will be announced at 3 p.m. this after. And I assume this after means this afternoon. Well, first of all, I'm reading this at about 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Central Time. Kevin Steele, to my knowledge, has not been named head coach. So this post isn't very good. But first, uh, a couple different of the reactions. One says, man, I hope your source is wrong. Beyond that, I'm just scrolling through right now lol no way or we really are a clown show somebody said yeah we'd better bump his salary big time or he will casually select one of the many other job offers being laid at his feet we are absolutely unreal and then this one's one of my favorites uh if Kevin Steele is announced as anything other than the interim for a bowl game we might not even play in then we might as well just tell Gus it was an April Fool's joke and bring him back. Kevin Steele would be a PR disaster and likely a coaching one too. And so if you listen to that, it's pretty clear that the fan base is not only divided, but that there would be revolt in the streets if Kevin Steele was actually named the head coach at Auburn. And I would add, (laughs) there are some incredible threads on this message board. So I'm on this message board right now. First one says, make Lincoln Riley say no to a $2 million a year pay raise. Call me crazy. I don't think Lincoln Riley is leaving the big 12 where he runs complete reign at a better job at Oklahoma, even for a $2 million pay raise at Auburn. Um, There are a couple other ones. Somebody asked about Steve Sarkeesian. Somebody asked about Hugh Freeze. Somebody asked about P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. And then we get to the gem of them all. Somebody wants to know, what about Bobby Petrino? And if you, if you don't remember all your P's and Q's, Bobby Petrino was, of course, many years ago the head coach at Louisville and very publicly tried to angle to get the Auburn job even when Tommy Tuberville still had the job. He wasn't able to get it. He eventually went to the NFL, back to Arkansas. It falls apart, goes back to Louisville. And I'm not sure if you remember. He did coach college football three seasons ago, went two and 10, But one Auburn fan does believe that he is the answer. And by the way, I went on the message board just to read what people said. And this is what I came up with as a reason to hire Bobby Petrino. This is just some solid message board gold right here. This is an Auburn fan arguing that they should hire Bobby Petrino. Not sure, but Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson tell me he can probably do okay. If Michael Vick hadn't gone to prison, Petrino would have been 10 years ahead of the league. Auburn wanted him once and blew up his gig at Louisville. Need to consummate this marriage. The dude is a savant. A jerk? Yeah. But an offensive savant. All that stuff about how he hurt players' feelings in Atlanta. And it is spelled feelings at Atlanta by leaving them on a goodbye note. Sissy crap. No wonder Atlanta always loses. They hired him to use Vic. It blew up. He left. Girlfriend in Arkansas? Really? Big time football plays through COVID, but is dumping coaches who have girlfriends? Puh, please. So that was a real, that was a real post on an Auburn message board. You cannot make this stuff up. That was maybe the single greatest post in the history of message boards. Arguing for Bobby Petrino, who went 2-10 at Louisville a few years ago, and the main points of his argument were these. If Michael Vick hadn't gone to jail, he would have been a stud in the NFL. First of all, I don't think the going to jail thing, like, that's your best argument. Then, on top of that, he's an offensive savant. Not really true. Lamar Jackson kind of saved his bacon there the last few years uh don't think he's been considered an offensive savant for years but then on top of that the biggest argument is he had a girlfriend who cares we just played through COVID why does anyone care let's just go hire Bobby Petrito so that is the theme out of Auburn right now and it, again it just speaks to the fact that it is very clear that there was never a plan in place to fire when they fired Gus Malzon, other than to pay him a bunch of money to not be the head coach I will say one last thing before we get to Michigan and we get out of here. Uh, it it didn't make me think of something. And I'm actually going to talk to Nick Coffey about it here in about 15, 20 minutes. But what I was thinking was this. So we all kind of know that there was this narrative over the last six months that you couldn't fire somebody during a pandemic, Right. There was this idea that we're living in this era of slash budgets and and actual employees are getting fired and sports are getting cut. We just can't pay the 10, 12, 15, 20 million dollars to buy out a head football coach. And I think that's fair. I think it was fair. I think it's clearly been proven wrong. And it got me thinking. I think that and Nick Coffey and I do talk about this. I think there was this thought that this COVID-19 stuff would allow us to kind of reset college sports. And we don't need to spend this much money on a juice bar and that much money on travel. And do we really need to stay in a five-star hotel or can we stay in a three-star hotel? And can we, instead of staying in a hotel the night before a home game, maybe kids can just sleep in their dorms. And we thought all of this stuff would happen. And what I think it's done is it's actually done the exact opposite. What it's done is it's allowed the truly powerful boosters with the truly uh, uh, limitless checkbooks to kind of get even more power than they ever had, right? Because if you look at what is going on in college sports right now, it is so clear that the boosters now have seated even more control than they ever have. And I think most of you are college sports fans so you kind of understand, a lot of times when a coach gets fired, it's not that the AD wants to fire them, it's not that the school president wants to fire them, it's that the biggest boosters say, that guy, that girl, if it's a female sport, that girl, that guy has to go, right? I don't care who it is, but that guy has to go. And since they're the ones signing the big checks to get that guy or girl out of there, they oftentimes have more of a say and who the next person is. I think what has happened in this COVID era, budgets are tighter. Marketing, bud, you know, marketing dollars coming in are fewer and far between as businesses that would normally donate to the school aren't doing it at that clip. And so the people that do have money, all of a sudden, I think actually have more say than they ever have. And it goes back to, really, if you want to go back, you can go back to May when Danny Manning was fired at Wake Forest. For people who don't remember, Danny Manning was really the first big-time coach that was fired in this COVID era. He was the Wake Forest basketball coach, and he was paid something crazy, 13 $14, $15 million, to go away. And the understanding at the time was basically, and, and I think the AD, John Curry, Tennessee fans remember him, um, he even said, like, no no money was taken from the university. No money was taken from the athletic department. This was all paid from private funding. And the thought was at the time, it was really one or two boosters who basically paid all of Danny Manning's buyout. Fast forward to a few weeks ago. Will Muschamp is fired. Shane Beamer is eventually hired. And the rumor at South Carolina, nobody could really confirm it, but I heard it from more than one person, so I kind of tend to think that it's true, is that there's the possibility That really, South Carolina, that Will Muschamp's buyout was paid by one person, and that that one person really did have kind of a big say in who the next coach was. And that this one person wanted Shane Beamer, and so because this guy or girl paid the buyout, they had say on who the next coach was. Don't know if it's true, but it has been a rampant rumor. People in South Carolina have told me this, and so it is worth considering. And I think to bring it full circle with Auburn, this Kevin Steele stuff is coming from one or two very powerful boosters who probably spend a crap ton of their money to get Gus Malzahn out, and now they have a ton of say in who the next head coach will be, potentially this Kevin Steele guy, potentially somebody else, but what it's made me realize, I think it's just so fascinating, is that I think that we thought that it would kind of reset how college athletics worked. I think it's the exact opposite. I think the people that had a lot of power before have even more power now because of the fact that there's less money the money is more consolidated to a fewer amount of people and maybe it ends up in a situation like what happened in South Carolina with Shane Beamer and of course um you know what potentially could happen at Auburn where if Kevin Steele gets the job there is no doubt that he is not the best candidate um that he would have very powerful people in his corner so it's fascinating to think about but we'll follow the Auburn stuff Uh, and we'll talk more about it as they eventually do. They will hire a coach, and and it might be somebody interesting like Steve Sarkeesian or Hugh Freeze. might be somebody less interesting like Kevin Steele. Uh, But as I said in my dramatic reading of the Auburn message boards, if you follow this stuff, it is uh, very clear that um, it's a very, very, very interesting time uh, for Auburn and for college football. One other really quick story. I don't think there's a ton to peel back here, but I did want to at least reference it. We've been talking about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh basically since the first week they played, right? They beat Minnesota, and I and I was the guy. I'll admit it was wrong on this one, too. I'm wrong a lot today. It's wrong Torres. Torres Tuesday, totally wrong on everything. Um, But, you know, when Harbaugh crushed Minnesota in that season opener, I kind of said, like, man, like, this guy needs a little bit of credit. Like, he just beat a top 25 team on the road. Well, it turns out Minnesota's terrible, and it turned out Michigan is terrible. It turned out, frankly, that Minnesota was the worst team that they could play. But we've been kind of talking hardball more or less pretty much every episode of this show, when they played Indiana, when they played Michigan State, when they played whoever. Uh, and it came full circle on Tuesday, because last week after they canceled the Ohio State game, there was thought that they would return for this final game of the weekend, and instead Michigan announces that they have canceled their final game of the regular season against the University of Iowa. And it's really interesting, and it's kind of a crazy time frame because Harbaugh actually spoke publicly on Monday and said that while the game was canceled on Saturday, the facility was open, there were players working out on Thursday and Friday, and that on Sunday, they had, quote, a very spirited practice. So to go from Sunday, a spirited practice, Monday you have the press conference, Tuesday you cancel, just a crazy, weird, bizarre timeline, but I will say this did come from the A.D., and the AD said they actually would have had less players this week than they would have had last week at Ohio State when they elected to cancel that game. He said upwards of 50 players uh, would have been missing because of either COVID, contact tracing, or injury, and they can't play the game. And so because of it, Michigan's regular season is over. No doubt that it is a disappointing, bizarre, weird regular season in which they went 2-4, and four. they won their first game, uh, and then in their next four five games they had one win which was a double overtime victory uh, against Rutgers and other than that really don't have much to, to celebrate or talk about but the season is over we're unsure if Michigan is going to pursue a bowl game but the players are going home after the semester for a few weeks and it appears as though we're just at an interesting point with Michigan right because a million different things could happen First of all, does Harbaugh come back? Does he not? Which we'll talk about in a minute. Do they play in a bowl game? Do they not? Do they have to have a coaching search? Do they not? But all we know right now is the game is canceled. The season's over at two and four. So instead of trying to figure out what is the next step, let's try and figure out what is the next step. And what I will say is this. Some people may be even wondering, why are you even talking about this? Jim Harbaugh has said that he's planning on being back. Uh, He's telling recruits that he's planning on being back. So, of course, he's going to be back. Why are you going to start something? Why are you going to say something that isn't true? He already said he's coming back. Get over it, Torres. Don't try to create a headline where there isn't one. And what I would say is, I get it. And if I had to bet money, I would bet that he was back next year. But I don't think it's inconceivable that he's not back. And I don't think it's inconceivable that he's telling recruits, yeah, I plan on being back. Because what else is he going to tell them? All we know right now is that the season is over, that Harbaugh said that he was going to negotiate with Ward Manuel, the AD at Michigan, once the season ended, and that he hoped to have a new contract in place. What we also know, by the way, is signing day is Wednesday, and you better be out there publicly saying, I plan on being back. Otherwise, that recruiting class, which is one of the top 10 recruiting classes in the country, is going to scatter all over the place. What'll be interesting is on Wednesday, how many of those recruits actually do sign, which ones don't. I'll actually talk about it on Thursday's show if, it's, if there's anything worth mentioning. But I guess what I would say is, I'm not totally sold that Harbaugh comes back. And again, I know he said it publicly, I plan on being back and we're working on an extension but they've been kind of working on an extension for two weeks now. I mean, remember, it wasn't this past Saturday, Sunday, but the Sunday before where there was all these rumors about Jim Harbaugh potentially going to the NFL. And as I told you on the show that day and that time, my understanding was that he went to Michigan, I don't want to say in good faith, but he went to New- Michigan to negotiate a contract extension. They planned on giving him one, but it was not at the price or money that he thought that he would be getting, or thought that he would be expecting. Now, he understood that he would be taking a pay cut, he's being paid almost $8 million a year, um, and he was willing to do that, but from my understanding, it was a significantly lower uh, base salary, with all of the salary tied to incentives, such as beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, making the college football playoff, and clearly, he was very happy about it. And so it's kind of this weird thing where, to me right now, it's kind of a game of chicken between Harbaugh and the school. Because the school, I think in the back of their mind, doesn't really want to get rid of Harbaugh because they really don't want to go through the process of trying to find a coach in the middle of a pandemic and how much can you really pay and what if you don't get your first or second choice and if Luke Fickle says no and he's going to and if Matt Campbell says no and he might, Who is really out there that is going to galvanize the fan base that is definitively better than Harbaugh? So you kind of got to play a little hardball with him because he's coming off a two and four year, but he really might be the best option that you have at least for one more season. Then from Harbaugh's perspective, I think he really does want to come back to Michigan. I think he really does want to be the guy that kind of solves it and saves it and all that stuff. But I also don't think he wants to be a chump. I don't think he wants to be working for a quarter of his salary. And we can all sit here and say in a pandemic, a quarter of his salary is still two million dollars. Hundreds of thousands of people have lost their jobs. Don't complain about two million. I don't necessarily say I would disagree, but I think Harbaugh has an ego and Harbaugh has expectations as well. And I think he's also, by the way, on the side, kind of feeling out, is the NFL a real opportunity? And what I can tell you about the NFL, there's already, what, three, four, five jobs open, the Falcons are open, the Texans are open, the Lions are open, and I don't think he's a candidate for all of them, but others are going to open up, too. The Jets are going to open up, the Chargers feel like they'll almost certainly open up, the Bears feels like it's going to open up, and so he is going to have options. And so all I'm saying is, I know we got this headline of, I plan on being at Michigan. I'm not saying you're not right, Jim Harbaugh, I'm not saying you're lying, I'm not saying you're going out of your way to lie. I'm just saying I don't know if I really believe it, and I don't know if I will believe it until an official uh, announcement has been made about an extension being signed and Harbaugh's officially coming back. But I will say we should get some clarity, you would think, in the coming days with National Signing Day coming, and again, Michigan having a top-10 recruiting class, and if he can lock those guys in and keep them there, at least you have a little something to build on for the future. We will see, but it's a fascinating scenario, and I do not think this thing is even close to being done. All right, uh, I think it's time to get out of here. I'll throw it to Nick Coffee here in a minute, but what I would say is um, fun show. First of all, fun show. I will be back Thursday. Uh, we'll do a fun kind of uh, uh, weekend preview with all of the conference championship games, all of the playoff scenarios. Fun episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast on Thursday, so go ahead and look out for that. Um, Nick Coffee. in the meantime, before we get out of here, I want to remind you, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes, the podcast, Addict App, Podbean, Spotify, Tune in radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all of that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. And of course, uh, if you want anything, a personalized note from me or anything, cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres. La Terrain Watches, if you're interested in a nice new watch for yourself, for your mother, father, whoever, uh, go ahead and find me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. The link is there. And if you use the promo code Aaron, uh, you go ahead and save uh, save 10% on that purchase. But that is all for this segment of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Uh, coming up momentarily, Nick Coffee. You can hear him 7 to 10 Eastern in Louisville, 790KRD, hosts an awesome show, a fun show, and he's a really fun guy, and we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff ranging from this Auburn $21 million deal to to, to Gus Malzahn, Uh, a little bit of Scott Satterfield, which was kind of the deal in Louisville, which he covered very closely. Talk some Coach K and some college hoops. We'll get out of here. But that is all for this segment. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. And now, here is Nick. Coffee! All right, and joining me via Zoom, uh, good friend, uh, we do this periodically, used to be on the show basically every episode, now I bring him on a couple times a month, Uh, he was on throughout college football season, we'll have him on into basketball season, but of course my old friend Nick Coffey, you can hear him on the radio 7 to 10 Eastern on 790KRD in Louisville, the voice of Louisville Sports Uh, Nick, what's up, man? What's going on? How are you? How's life? I'm doing well.
0: Quite the uh, introduction. The voice of Louisville Sports. I might put that on a business card. Are business cards still a
1: thing in 2020? I I mean, nobody leaves the house anymore, so I don't think anything is is anything that it was nine months ago. Maybe, I don't know if you're the voice. Maybe you're the face. I mean, listen. I don't know about uh, that. (laughs) <laughs> we, we, we had a Hall of Fame basketball coach leave in the last two or three years, a prominent football coach. Everyone's still getting to know the new guys. I mean, Chris Mack, could you even pick him out of a police lineup? You know, Nick Coffey, face the Louisville sports. I'm just saying.
0: Hey, if you are willing to run with it, I'll I'll give it a shot till somebody tells me otherwise.
1: Fantastic. All right. So, so much to get into. It's kind of crazy, right? Because you and I have been doing not just this show, but this as a career for a while. And, you know, you and I are recording here on the the afternoon of the 15th of December. People will be listening the 16th, 17th, 18th. Uh, And this is supposed to be the slow time. This is supposed to be the time where we get to recharge our batteries, um, you know, uh, spend time with family, maybe get away in a normal time of year. How crazy is it? We'll get into some specific topics momentarily, but that we are talking about college football coaching carousel, that we are doing this, that we are doing that. When I recorded Monday's show, I said, hey, you know, welcome in, everybody. It's Monday, December 14th, and it kind of struck me. It was less than two weeks to Christmas. It's just crazy that we still have all this going on, basically, by the time people listen a week or so before Christmas.
0: Yeah, and I, I re- this morning, on the 15th, for, whoever, for whenever people are listening, I started my show, and I looked right down at my computer monitor and said, how in the hell is it December 15th? We're 10 days away uh from christmas and for a while I, first of all the calendar's been all kinds of crazy with the pandemic it's hard to keep up with what month what year what day it is but i think for college football we went, we spent so much time thinking all right well there's so much doubt so much uncertainty i'll believe it when i see it then we started saying the same thing about college basketball we realized how many outages and postponed games were happening even before the season started and sure enough here we are we're about a month into it in basketball football is wrapping up. Uh, it kind of came and, and went pretty quickly. And um, I'm happy that, you know, I'm happy that we've been able to get through sports. It's been much different. There's been a lot of stoppages, a lot of issues. But we kind of knew that going in. But I cannot believe we're almost to the end of this year. And, and, and you know, it's 10 days from Christmas. It's nuts.
1: I don't disagree, man. I don't disagree. And it's weird because it, it both feels almost like um... – college football just started also feels like it was like a million years i mean it feels like a million years ago since the pac-12 started on november 4th so let alone you know when central arkansas was at central arkansas austin p on august 28th or whatever so it's crazy um so much to get into man like like okay Uh, i'm just i'm just spitballing here just a bunch of generic topics so i opened the show I didn't open the show, but I talked about it before you came on, Nick. So Auburn's in the middle of this weird coaching search, and I I led my show Monday with um, I led my show Monday with basically this concept of Auburn doesn't fire a coach and pay him twenty one million to go away, the entire staff close to thirty million, unless they already have the next guy lined up. Signing day is Wednesday. There's no doubt about it. Well, now we're a few days into this, and as we record, things could obviously change. It appears as though there's no real pathway to the next Auburn football coach. And so, like, I just bring this up because, you know, I think one of the narratives, so many narratives have been debunked throughout the last nine, ten months, calendar year, whatever. But one of them was, we're just not going to fire coaches this year. It's just too, the, the, the economy is just too bad. There's just no way it can be done. And not only are we not not only are we firing head coaches, we're paying massive buyouts. And like I said, there's no plan. Like it's one thing if Texas is going to fire Tom Herman and they already have Urban Meyer lined up in the press conferences the next day. And basically, the reason we still have Tom Herman as the head coaches because they couldn't get Urban Meyer. But for Auburn to fire Gus Malzahn, pay him 21 million to go away, and have absolutely no idea where they're going, or at least that's the way it appears, it appears as we record here. It's craziness to me that we're still living in this world in 2020 pandemic economy the way it is. It's just crazy,
0: man. It's crazy. Yeah, and with Auburn, I mean, think about what they're paying him to not coach, $21 million. So you have to think whoever you're going to go get is worth a lot more than that because you're going to have to probably go get them out of a contract and then go pay them whatever it may be. And it seemed like, I mean, I I think I I saw you kind of piecing this together earlier in the week that, hey, this is their chance to go get Hugh Freeze before Tennessee or before somebody else does when they feel a little more comfortable firing a coach because maybe things are better financially. But a couple days later, doesn't look like that's the case. It looks like it's a wide open coaching search. And that just makes zero sense to me. I mean, I, I I would assume that this would be a learning experience for college athletics, that these agents who have somehow created all the power, they're going into these AD's offices with ski masks and getting these contracts that make no sense. They're putting fear into these athletic directors to make them think that their coach is replaceable, even when a coach isn't even that good. I mean, there's no better example than what happened with Will Muschamp, who had never really got it started at South Carolina, yet his agent was able to scare South Carolina into giving him a new contract when he didn't really deserve it. it, The agents are able to convince the athletic directors that – these coaches are irreplaceable. And the reality is very, very few of them are. I mean, maybe a few of them, you would say are irreplaceable. And when they're going to learn that, I don't know. But the fiscal irresponsibility in college athletics has always been nuts. You would think that with the budgets being slashed the way they are with the pandemic, that they wise up and say, okay, we got to get more control of this. And then you just see this ballsy-ass move from Auburn to just say you know what we just know we don't want him as our coach cost not an issue we'll get him out of here i mean they got to pay the guy what half of that 21 million in like 30 days 30 it's days. nuts
1: it's nuts and you know you say ballsy I, I think a lot of people would just say dumb like and I, reckless listen, <laughs> yes reckless and it's it's so funny right and I've talked about this two things can be true right like because people are like well why are you bringing back Tom Herman if you know he's not the guy like two things can be true and I use Tom Herman as an example as kind of the polar opposite of Gus Malzahn of you can know that Tom Herman probably isn't going to work out in the long term. He's not the guy to get them to the level that they want to be, but you also can know that, Hey, he went, I think six and three this year, he would have been seven and three if their last game against Kansas wasn't canceled. Um, and so, like, two things can be true of he's probably not the guy long term, but he is also, uh, you know, on the opposite perspective, better than, than just going out into the open market blindly. And that's what Auburn appears to have done. And that's why it's so crazy to me. You know, some other places a little different, you know, Arizona, I'm not going to claim I know a ton about uh, what they're doing and all that stuff. But I mean, when you lose 70 to 70 to your rival, that's a little bit different you know, Illinois, I think it was, you know, Lovey made a bowl game last year, but, you know, they backed into it and this year it was a step back and he wasn't really even recruiting. And like, you you can justify some of that stuff, but Auburn six and four, uh, you know, three of your losses are to basically top 10 teams. It felt a little bit different. I will say, Nick, I did just have a thought while you were talking about it. Um, you know, you kind of just referenced and I referenced a minute ago, the idea of, of, Athletic directors and athletic departments reining things in when uh, when things got bad financially, obviously, and, and in the economy and all that stuff. I almost wonder, and I hadn't thought about this until you started talking about it. Do boosters actually maybe now, the big ones, have more power than they ever have before of, you know, in your neck of the woods, Louisville, uh, ACC country, you know, the understanding was when Danny Manning, the only prominent basketball coach, got fired, I believe, it was one booster that paid the entire buyout that he was owed. Um, there were rumors I could never confirm that one booster is paying Will Muschamp's buyout. I had never really taken the time to think about it until now, but maybe boosters have more power than they ever have before, and that's why we're seeing some of this. I hadn't really thought about it until now. That's, that makes total sense,
0: and it's scary to think that's the case, but it, that makes sense when you consider how valuable those people are that fork over a ton of money, and – and I mean this is not really in that same uh in that same lane but you know these universities want to do whatever they can you know i here i know firsthand there's some conversations already going on um where big big companies that give a lot of money they're already you know understanding hey i may be able to now give this endorsement money to a player and not the school that hurts the school with, sure. with kids being able to make money off name image and likeness
1: great point
0: this this I, I, there are some Folks at big schools, I can imagine that are probably pretty worrisome that these big dollars that come in are going to be given to players now, which doesn't help the university. Therefore, they're doing whatever they can to make these people happy. That way, whenever they do start giving out those checks, they'll remember, hey, uh, it's bigger than just one player who's here for a couple of years you keep giving the money to us and you're going to keep having some influence and some say so and help us move on from these coaches I mean yeah you're right I hadn't even thought of that but you, we should never underestimate the power of what those donors and boosters have because they're the ones who write the big checks that make all this possible
1: uh it's it'd be nice to have 21 million to just give away to a guy that you don't like huh must must be it's nice so, it's so much money it just makes me sick
0: to my stomach I mean that's you know, there are some guys who get a chance to, you know, they have a cup of coffee at a high level of pro sports or whatever. Uh, they spend a couple of years doing something that makes them a lot of money, but 21 million, that is life changing money for virtually anybody. And he's getting that to not coach. It's, I know. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's nauseating.
1: Uh, Kevin Sumlin, by the way, he's over $20 between A&M and Arizona in buyout money of not coaching as well. So Kevin Sumlin's living a nice buyout life. Hey, real quick, I I did want to ask you, uh, it's kind of niche, but it is right in your freaking wheelhouse. Uh, The Scott Satterfield thing, I didn't even talk about it on this show. I don't think it, you know, there's just so much, like we said a minute ago, there's so much going on right now that I didn't have time to get to it. But it it feels like it really – divided, um, you know, I I guess, divided the locker room, divided his trust with his players. For people who don't know, Scott Satterfield's a Louisville coach. Nick Coffey is, of course, the voice and face of Louisville athletics. And, you know, Scott Satterfield, when the the South Carolina job opened, he came from Appalachian State previously. He interviewed uh, – so South Carolina opens. There's some ties there, the Carolinas, whatever. And he interviews – Maybe you have different information than I do. I don't think he was ever really a candidate. And he interviews, um, uh, you know, and he, he, he isn't going to get the job. And all he does in the process is piss off fans, piss off boosters, piss off his own players. And then he comes back and, 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 you know, does this big thing that he eventually has to apologize for. Where He basically does this big, I'm coming back, everybody. And everybody's like, you're a freaking jerk. What are you talking about? You're coming back. How dare you just publicly flirt with this other program, know you're not getting the job, and try to make yourself out as the hero. For coming back, so I think I I relatively well recapped it, and he got a lot of uh, blowback for it. So I want to give you the platform because, like I said, that's really right in your neck of wood. Of the woods,
0: yeah. He, this was a situation that he misstepped, and I said on my show, like his team did all year, he fumbled it every step of the way. I mean, everything he did throughout this process was the wrong move because it came out like three or four weeks ago that he was on the list and that there was a scheduled interview. Well, he came out and he released a statement that night that that surfaced, and to his, he didn't deny it. He he just kind of said, "I'm committed to Louisville, and I'm not looking for another job right now." Which doesn't mean other people aren't looking for you. Doesn't mean you're not going to talk to people. But Louisville fans foolishly read that as if, "Oh, he's he's everything's good." And I never did. I knew that there was clearly a little bit of truth to that. But what I didn't know is is he angling for leverage here? Because the biggest thing that nobody Louisville did not really hit the radar this year nationally because they had a down year but this is a coach that some here locally are wondering why is he a candidate his team is three and seven he did have a really good first year they won ACC coach of the year He won eight games I mean it's a great start but it just seemed like a poor play for him to use this as leverage knowing that the season was tanking for him and there's a global pandemic going on where the university has laid off a lot of people within the athletic department so it kind of dies down after Vince Tyree had had let people know, hey, Scott, talk, talk to Scott. He's happy. We're good. Well, then he goes and he talks to South Carolina. He said he had a conversation with them, but he drove to Bowling Green, Kentucky, about two and a half hours south of here, right on the Nashville, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee state line. He met with them, did not tell Vince Tyree. Vince Tyree found out about it through the media, which is just something you don't want to do, uh, put his boss in a really tough spot. And it just all made no sense because – there was, there never appeared to be any real momentum for him getting this job. And what it turned out was, you know, I believe the reporting that came out from FootballScoop.com that Jimmy Sexton happened to represent all three candidates for that job, and he put them all there. It was uh, the Napier kid, the Napier guy from Louisiana, the guy who got the job, Shane Beamer, and Scott Satterfield. They all interviewed, and he's he's smart enough to know that job was Shane Beamer's to lose, but he still had his client go interview for it anyway to try to get some kind of leverage, which was just a poor play. And Scott Satterfield was at least, I mean, from what I understand, Jimmy Sexton, who's this powerful agent, he's the one who has all conversations about a contract with the AD. Scott and Vince don't talk about that at all. So apparently they said something last year right after the season, hey, let's restructure. Because to be fair, they are on a cheap deal. For, what, for an ACC coach, he's not making a ton of money, and his staff's not making a ton of money compared to, to the others. And the agent wanted to get more money for Scott and for everybody else right after the season ended. Well, that never happened. And I guess his agent thinks they need to stronghold their way to make that happen. And they're ignoring the fact that a global pandemic got in the way. And oh, by the way, your client is not having a very good season. So it, it was, it played out very poorly. And then to make matters worse, he addressed it on Monday and it was an, it was a PR train wreck. Some of the, I mean, I think he was brutally honest with some of the things he said, but there's a difference to being honest and just knowing the right and wrong way to say things. I mean, every step of the way he made this worse, he then released a letter to the fans and it was very corny and you know some fans ate it up all you can do is apologize the only thing that's going to maybe help the situation is some time and maybe he does get a chance to interview elsewhere and he turns it down who knows but it was just a really awful. yeah win some games it was an awful situation for him he mishandled it every step of the way I don't know Scott personally but I kind of feel like he was naive and didn't understand how that he never was interviewing for jobs at App State. What was the first opportunity he had to move up to the big level? I think his agent kind of screwed him in this, in this one. And he (laughs) wasn't wise enough to realize that it was a, it was absolutely a mess. And again, he to interview for a job and piss people off when there's no chance of you getting the job just seems like a really dumb move, but it was because his agents telling him you got to do this. So they, so they really understand how much they need you and they'll pay you. They'll see that you're looking to leave. Well, Louisville's been through this enough times where they've had plenty of coaches come here, have success, and move on. He ain't getting a new contract, and that wasn't going to happen. So um, it's going to take some time because Louisville fans, uh, not only are they bummed the way that played out, they're bummed that they had a bum season. Louisville was not very good this year, and uh, talent is not where you wanted to be. But they played a lot of teams that they should be beating, like a Georgia Tech, like a Virginia, uh, like a Boston College. And they just – they were they, they, it, was a, it was a dud year.
1: Fantastic. You know, the thing I love doing about this show with you is obviously you being in Louisville, you're also in the heart of College Hoops country. Um, and, uh, you know, we can kind of bounce back and forth. So I do want to get your opinion on some stuff in College Hoops. First thing, uh, it's died down a little bit, uh, but really quickly. I mean, come on, we, we got to talk Coach K, right? I mean, you and I oh, have man. had many conversations on this show off the air about Coach K. Um, you know, I'll just tell you my stance really quick and you can take it wherever you want. People have heard me say this the last two weeks is that I do believe that like, like he, he, this is on par with what he's been saying all along. Um, I know, you know, this, but, but people listening, um, you know, he was the guy pushing for the 345 team NCAA tournament or whatever, basically so that he didn't have to play out of conference games. Um, You know, he's been complaining about out of conference games basically since September or August brought his team back really late whatever Um, but also one it looks bad when you when you do this right after a loss and two you know the stuff that Nate Oates said I thought was so on point and and not about Coach K specifically but about the mental health of players you know my stance has been um, just very simply the idea that basketball and obviously football and soccer and whatever sport these kids are playing is basically all they have they're basically going from the dorms to the field or the facility or the basketball court or whatever, back and forth, back and forth. They can't hang out off the court. They can't hang out in the locker room. They can't go out to dinner. Basketball is basically all they have. Football is all they have. And to take that away from them, I think, would be significantly more crippling than actually playing. Uh, you know, don't. I know you talked about it on your show. So where, where have you stood on all this? So they played Illinois on the
0: ACC Big Ten Challenge. It was the late game, so it ended late into the evening, and I hadn't heard any of Coach K's comments, but I got up and was getting ready for my show, and I, his, his, I could tell from the night before his his clip after the game had picked up already a lot of momentum overnight, and I, I got it ready to air on my show. And I, I was worried that, you know, by the time this gets everywhere, people will say maybe we shouldn't be playing, and I'm happy that they didn't. I think he can, you know, you can hear him out and understand what he's saying and not mean that we all need to just, you know, like we did with college football, anytime there's any comment made or any situation um, of concern, well, let's just let's just pause and panic and say we can't do it. So um, I was worried because I thought that that would absolutely, I, Coach K is, I mean, I, is there an equivalent to Coach K in college football? Maybe Nick Saban, but I mean, even Nick Saban hasn't been doing it as long as Coach K. I just thought when he speaks up like that, there would be people lining up to say, okay, well, if he's questioning if we should be playing, then maybe we really should look into it and hit pause. I'm glad to know we didn't because what you said is spot on. I mean, they're already going through a lot mentally that that they normally never have to because they've never gone through this before. But to rip the one thing they're clinging to right now away would make things even worse. It wouldn't make it any better. And I just, I think it was, um you know, a little hypocritical for him to, to question the, 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 safety from the virus. And of course the mental aspect too, but like if you're going to send your guys home and then bring them back. I mean, that's you saying that you're doing what CDC says we shouldn't do yet. You've been, you've been griping about us saying we should follow the CDC guidelines and not play non-conference games. So, like I, I think he can be both. I think he can be sincere, but we can also understand that it's just one man's opinion. And yes, his, his voice, his opinion matters more than most in the sport, but it's not the end all be all. Chris Mack talked to the media last Friday and, and kind of not really defended him necessarily, but did say that, hey, every Wednesday, ACC coaches for the last few months have had weekly talks and Coach K has, from day one, kind of worried about playing non-conference games. So I think people are standing up for him in, in, in the fact that, yeah, he's kind of been echoing this for a while. Uh, but I still, I don't think he says what he said if his team didn't lose two games. I, I believe that. We'll never know because they have lost two games, but I, I, I believe that. And I don't think that's like a personal shot to say that. He even, he even insinuated that, you know, I know what people are going to say because I've lost two games.
1: Yeah. No, I you know, and, and it's, I, I do lean more towards the fact that it's because this is what he really believes. Uh, but, you know, I've said it, you know, it, it plays differently if you say it after the Bellerman game or, you know, Coppin State after a win than it does after you get smoked. Um, you know, also on top of all that other stuff is like just the fact of, you know everything that you said about the cdc it's hypocritical you can't say that it's not safe to travel but then at the same time send your kids home away um i just think the timing of it was terrible bottom line in a lot of ways it actually reminded me of the dan i talked about it on my monday show you know dan mullen kind of criticizing ohio state's schedule after a loss it just doesn't play well when after a loss so i get all that but no man i'm with you man is it sounds like you and i are basically on the same page here is that i i'll say this too I was worried that it was going to pick up steam. And, and I did see, you know, his little lackeys in the media, um, you know, specifically Jay Billis and Dick Vitale seemed to echo the sentiment. Dick Vitale flat out came out and said, we shouldn't be doing this. Jay Billis kind of danced around and said, you know, we do need to be you know, doing his Jay Billis, you know, high horse lawyer thing of, well, you know, things have changed. We need to be rethinking it. And it's like, yeah, we need to rethink some things, but we shouldn't be sending these kids home. So it sounds like you and I are on the same page, but I will admit that I was worried that this whole thing was going to get shut down. Last little thing for you, Nick, because I know you're on a little bit of a tight schedule. Where are you with college basketball? You you are actually, frankly, one of the few people I know that's actually attended some games. Um, kind of at the same time, the program you cover closely, Louisville was shut down, which I think is is an interesting conversation that nobody's having, that they were in a bubble and still had to shut down the program. So, you know, everybody that's you know, knocking out this, uh, we got to move to a bubble stuff. It's like, well, even in a bubble in the middle of a pandemic in cold and flu season, uh, you know, the bubble can be broken, but where are you at, man? I just feel like, look, I love college hoops. I'm going to talk about it, you know, on this show, almost every episode that I do, but it does feel like there's just not as much juice as normal. And I don't know if it's because of the start and stop nature of it. You know, if Baylor had, had already played Gonzaga and Villanova, does it feel differently? The fact that we're overlapping with all these other sports, it just feels like there's not as much juice as there usually is this time of year.
0: Yeah. It almost feels like it hasn't really gotten started yet. And yet we're almost a month into it. That's kind of the way it feels for me. So Louisville, Got four games in in about a week's time. They did it with limited attendance, but because of our restrictions in the state, it was very bizarre. You couldn't eat or drink anything. I so heard that, yeah. there's no concessions. I mean, there are people who, you know, diabetics it's, fearful that if they have something going on, they, they, they wouldn't be interesting. able to. I mean, it was. It's it was because just of your quote unquote indoor dining rule, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So which is now lifted. So if they do get some games back here soon, that'll be they'll be able to serve uh, food and drink and whatnot. But yeah, it was I knew going in, it was gonna be weird. But even when I got to the arena, at the Ump center on their opener against Evansville, I thought, you know, this is even weirder than I anticipated. So and now They've gone. They when they get back on the court on Saturday, they're going to play Wisconsin, a makeup game for the ACC- Big Ten Challenge. They'll have 18 days between games, and that's the longest they've gone in season without a game in 65 years. So that's just the nature of college basketball in 2020. Um, I'm happy that games are on. I'm watching a lot. I've enjoyed seeing some teams play. I think there's some really good teams out there right now. Um, For example, just off the top, Iowa. I've watched them play. Man, they look. They look fun. They look really good. Gonzaga, before their stoppage, they look scary good. Um, So I'm enjoying it because I love it. But, like, I think this is going to be a really hard year for people who, you know, need something to latch on to. The big – I mean, you've got a top 25 right now that doesn't – or top 20 right now that doesn't feature Duke, Kentucky, or North Carolina. And that's just – I mean, that matters. So, um, selfishly, I love it because I'm a college football junkie. But it is – it just feels off. And, you know, I guess just get used to these delays because – you know, it wouldn't be a shock that Louisville has another, you know, two week period from now until March, April, whenever it is that they play the tournament that they've got to stop and and, and kind of reset some things. So I feel bad complaining because I wanted it so bad, but it's it, it's been off. It kind of feels like even though a lot of teams have played six, seven games, it, it's like the season hasn't even really gotten going just yet.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I I think part of it is the college football stuff. Is that just college football going so late into the calendar? It yeah, just this is normally
0: up. where we're just in that gap where you're waiting for bowl games. We still got yeah. games going on.
1: We got games going on. We got coaches being fired. We got. Um, you know, and then on top of that, the inverse in college basketball, you have some really marquee games being canceled. And so, um, you know, it's a weird thing. I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, it picks up a little bit of steam as we get through the new year and kind of out of bowl season. There's obviously going to be less bowls just in general. And so, you know, that's my hope. But, yeah, it's, it's just weird. And, and, and you know, I will say, too, we're in kind of a week that's always quiet because a lot of these schools do have finals. I mean, I don't know if I would have been saying this last week when Duke was playing. In Illinois and uh you know North Carolina was playing Iowa and all that stuff so so maybe I am kind of being in the moment but it does feel weird uh I know you gotta run anything we haven't hit on it could be football basketball whatever you're hot on I mean anything interesting in your world that we haven't hit on Nick no I just have
0: one question for you Uh-oh. do you believe do you believe Lamar Jackson that he didn't really have to take a dump last night
1: okay so I'm just gonna be real with you um I had money on the Creighton Marquette game. I was on the wrong side, which is really Uh annoying because I thought too much about it because I I, I felt good about Marquette all day. Then I flipped. But anyway, so I'm kind of toggling between both games and I turn it on and I see Trace McSorley is in and I was like, what is going on? And I have an intern and I texted my intern who's just a sports junkies in college. So all he does is watch sports all day, which is just a charmed life if if I do say so myself. But I was like, dude, what happened to Lamar Jackson? And he's like, oh, he has uh he has cramps. He left. And I said, okay, cool. Then I went kind of back to the Marquette game. And then I'm kind of monitoring. And then I log on Twitter. And it's like everyone has just immediately jumped to this conclusion that Lamar Jackson had a little, you know, little little incident. And so I'm like, did some like is it is it true? Like, was there I mean, I don't want to get grotesque here, but was there Uh, a stain, a something that would indicate that this is actually factual. And then everyone just kind of went with it. So I just kind of like just threw in my bad jokes that weren't that funny. And then, but I will say like after the game, it became clear that he was sticking with the, it was just cramps. I got an IV story and it was pretty funny. Like I was watching the post game interview and Lisa Salters who did it was just very clearly like trying to poke it. Like, did you really have cramps? Did you really like, was there anything else that did that went on? On behind the door behind closed doors that you can tell us about and he's like no I just had cramps just had an IV just trying to get the win and I was like I don't know man something doesn't really add up about all this so it, it was kind of crazy because I was I like had the game on and I was watching and it was a fun game but there was never that moment where like the light bulb went off for me as it did for millions of other people that were watching that game well, I couldn't believe – he was just gone. Like,
0: there was no play that made it look like he was he was injured or he was dealing with anything. All of a sudden, they just – the sideline reporter realized that he he wasn't there. He went into the locker room. So then they pulled that footage of him going into the into – the, I guess it's in the tunnel, and it shows him going into the locker room. You know, and he's doing that uncomfortable kind of quick walk where you need yeah. to get somewhere quickly, but you got to be careful how you get there because anything could happen. That was scary. And uh, he later claimed he was doing the waddle because he had the cramps in his calf. But the way he was going so quickly is what makes me think, dude, you had to poop. Like, it's okay. Like it's, yes. it's not a big deal. Everybody goes, it's not a big problem, but he is certainly sticking to his story that it was just cramp related, not, you know, not uh, stomach cramp related.
1: Well, dude, my thing is we've all seen people that do get cramps in athletic competition. They can't walk. Like it's almost yeah. all, in the calf and you almost always need to be carried off as if it's a uh, an ankle injury or whatever Um, so the fact that we saw him running into the tunnel that that was when like I did finally get that light bulb of like okay I can see why everybody's saying this because dude like we remember when LeBron got cramps in the finals and he had to be carried off and he's on the sideline and they're massaging him that was not the same none of that was happening yes so, uh, so yeah, no. So, I mean, this is one, I know everybody wants to be Woodward and Bernstein on this one. Like I just, uh, I was watching, but I never had that light bulb moment until I saw it. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's the one. It makes that makes w- for a better story. He should just embrace it. Did you lead your
0: show with that? I assume. Cause you're oh, yeah. in Louisville. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Mostly just because Lamar hadn't had really a moment yet this year. And last night he did, he wasn't great. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he made a, he made. it mean, he went straight from the crapper to the field for a fourth down play to score a touchdown, and then he led the drive to get him in field goal range. So um, it, he's he's obviously not had the year he did last year, but I just I led with it this morning because it was nice to see him have that. Because uh, you know, to be real, the Ravens and Lamar have really taken a step back this year. Which of course it's a it's a weird year for everybody. But um, last night, seeing everybody talking about him, not just because of the issues he had but with him playing well and showing why he was the MVP it was kind of a reminder for me oh yeah we haven't seen this in a while I mean last year there was like six seven straight weeks where he played in primetime and was the story of the NFL
1: yeah it, I just when I was watching it the thing that's I really just like him as a dude and you know he just seems so like humble and like you know like some of these guys get so full of themselves and like he just seems like he's all about football and like I don't know, man. Like last year, the nobody cares, work harder stuff. Like that really resonated with a guy like me. I'm I'm blue collar, dirt under the fingernails, uh, you know, kind of guy. And uh, in the post game, he's like, "Dude, we're just trying to win. I'm just trying to do what I can for this franchise." And it was none of this like, "How dare you question me?" And I yeah, had to dude. prove my haters wrong, like a LeBron or a, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a football equivalent of it. Uh, you know, uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers or something like that. Like. He's just like, dude, yeah, I'm just trying to win games. And I'm like, dude, I, I really like this guy. Whatever. I just freaking like him, he's, you know. He's, he's got the likability
0: factor going for sure. And that really speaks to, I mean, when his peers vote him the best player in the NFL, which, of course, not many agree with that. But that just shows that he, he first of all, he's clearly a good locker room guy. But his competitors respect him, which is, yes. I mean, that's, that's saying something.
1: All right, Nick Coffey, uh, 790, you can listen to him, 790KRD in Louisville. Follow him on Twitter at The Card Connect. Nick says, we're not going to talk, dude. Happy Happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I don't know if we'll talk before the New Year. Uh, Thank you for everything you've done, man. I mean, there's been a couple episodes here where, you know, you kind of came in at the last minute. You know, we did some Tiger King back in – in uh i guess it was maybe march or april for anybody that really wants to dig through the old archives we did about a 45 minute tiger king session uh and you got us through some of these college football episodes and we weren't sure if we were going to have it or there weren't very many games or whatever so thank you for everything you've done for me this year man thank you for being part of of this show and what i do uh and we'll keep it rolling into 2021 if i don't talk to you before then my friend
0: Sounds good, man. Happy holidays to you as well. I love being a part of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast experience. So anytime you need me, just let me know, brother.
1: Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere